Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Paid Search Podcast. My name is Chris Schaefer. I'm here to talk about Google Ads, all things in Google Ads, everything about Google Ads, and I do this every single week. Most of the time, it's just me, myself, and I, um, but there's a special treat. Coming later in the show, be sure and stick around for that. Uh, we're going to have a special guest you're going to want to hear from. Today's topic is about Google Shopping ads, and Google Shopping ads are uh, they're a major part of Google Ads overall. A lot of e-commerce companies, you know, just spend a lot of money and and bank a lot of their company's revenue on Google Shopping ads. And I'll tell you what, uh, it, it it can be done the wrong way so much easier. It can actually be done the wrong way easier than uh, search because it's so easy to set up. Google shopping ads are, you know, a lot of times just, you know, click, click, done. And, and, and any, anything that has a very low barrier to entry like this can very easily be messed up. But if you don't run Google shopping ads, I'll tell you what, um, you still are going to learn something today because that is the goal of this uh, this entire podcast is to educate everyone on everything that possibly can. So there's still some relevant stuff and it's in the metric of the week. I'm going to talk about that momentarily. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor, optio.com slash PSP. The link in the, is in the description. You can get a two-month free trial if you go to that link. What you do is you you, you go to that link Use a little chat box down at the bottom left corner and say, hey, I heard about your offer from Chris on the Paid Search Podcast. Can I get this special offer? Because it is not published anywhere. You will not hear about this anywhere. And you say, well, Chris, why would I do that? Well, the reason is you're listening to this podcast. You are listening to some guy in Texas talk about the details of Google Ads. If you're that deep in Google Ads, if that if Google Ads is that important to your career, to your business, to you know your employment, um, this software is for you. <laughs> it will help you take your campaigns, whether they're shopping campaigns, search campaigns, display campaigns, um, all of that stuff. Everything in Google, it will help you take all of it to the next level by giving you guidance and getting more done in Google Ads faster, better results. Uh, amazing software. I am going to jump right in now to the metric of the week. Metric of the week is about click share. Now, I'll tell you what. <clears throat> this podcast is, um, I try and keep it about, let's say, 70% fact. Uh, and with 30% sprinkled in of opinion. And I'd like to tell you when opinion comes into play. But uh, I'll tell you what, this might be a little heavier on opinion because I have some pretty strong feelings about ClickShare and I'm going to lay it out right here at the top. Um, if you're new here, the metric of the week is really designed for an entry level. Let's learn, let's discuss. And if you, if you listen to uh, the past like six weeks or so of the podcast, you know, th that's when I started this new series here, uh, metric of the week. And, um, 
you're going to learn everything about average CPC, CTR, conversions, search positions, invalid clicks, all this kind of stuff. It's all stuff that I talk about. And today we're going to talk about ClickShare. And I want to educate you about it. And then I, I got to tell you my thoughts on it because I think that I think it's important. So let's talk about first, what is ClickShare? Let's talk about ClickShare. So ClickShare is the estimated share of all, this is so important that you, 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 you hear this because it defines really what this is and why I have a strong opinion about it. ClickShare is the estimated share of all achievable clicks that you have reached. And this is a metric that you can see in performance max campaigns, search campaigns, shopping campaigns. Um, so the key thing that you need to zoom in on here is achievable, all achievable clicks that you have received. Okay, so achievable. What does that? What does that mean, Chris? Seems like you're really pushing that word. Well, it's uh, it's important that you understand what that means. Um, so let's let's get with the the the, the basics here. It's ClickShare is always a percentage. Okay, it's always displayed as a percentage, um, or it's just displayed as a couple of dashes because you have no ClickShare. It doesn't have any data at all. So it's either a percentage or nothing. And um, what it means is. Or, or the way that it works is essentially this. If you've received, let's say, 60 clicks um, and your click share is, it happens to be 60%, then it's estimated that there were another 40 clicks that you could have received if you had more blank, if you had more something. And here's the thing. That blank, that something, if you would have done this, is actually... A lot of things. It's actually several things. You know, if you would have had uh, more assets, is one reason that Google gives. Okay, you say, well, what does that mean? Assets. What is that? Well, that means if you would have had, you know, uh, more site links. If you would have had a a a, a, um, a call extension in your ad. If if you would have had more site links or something like that. That's what an asset is. Or, or the ad, maybe the you need a better, better qualified ad. Uh, it's a very poor strength ad, so your assets aren't aren't good. But it doesn't stop there. It also means you might have needed higher bids, or maybe you run out of budget, and suddenly, like the scope at which is determining why you have a low click share has opened up tremendously. I needed to bid more or I needed to spend more or I didn't do my ads the right way. Well, which is it? Well, the fact is you don't know. And it includes all auctions that your ad showed in and the auctions where your ad competed but did not show. So <laughs> to say this in plain English, it, it tells you when your ads did show and when your ads didn't show and adds that all up to give you a click, uh, a click share percentage. This is insane to me. This makes so little sense. Uh, I, uh, to get straight to it, I never, I never use this metric. This metric is useless to me, but I think it's important that I talk about it. You say, why are you talking about it then? I talk about it because I do consulting with people and they're like, well, my click share is, and I say, whoa, you're what? You're what? Why do I care what your click share is? And you know, people are you know, really adamant well my click share well and then i well tell me what click share is and they completely they don't understand what it is they don't understand the metrics that they're looking at 
they're looking at this generic multifaceted percentage number that can be extremely different based on a few factors and judging a, a key performance indicator based on their click share. Mistake. That is a mistake. I do not think that it is important, and I will tell you why. Okay, so first, here's the experience that I've had with ClickShare. If you haven't looked at it, you might have a campaign, let's say, that has a 6% click-through rate, okay? Um, and let's say less than 10% uh, search impression share. So pretty average numbers, right? A pretty good click-through rate, less than 10%, and you might have a 12 percent click share what does that mean what well how do i raise that well just like i said you raise it with your bids you raise it with your budget basically it, it means you know overall you have to raise possibly everything your click your click-through rate does that need to be higher well now maybe does your search impression share need to be higher well yeah maybe how do you make determinations in the optimization of an account if you don't know exactly what to do in order to improve that metric. That's what makes this a useless metric. It, it makes it ineffective for optimization and for management. I'm not interested in it. This Another campaign, another example. I'm looking at one now. I have a 20% click-through rate and a 55% search impression share. And my click share is 45%. Well, that's a very high search share or click share, I should say. Very high click share. Okay. Well, do I need to raise my search impression share or do I need to raise my click through rate? Well, hmm. all right. That's, it's a great question. You know, who knows? Who knows what, I mean, I assume if you raise both of them, the click share will improve, but that's not a good way to do it. Who cares if you're getting more or less click share? The real answer is, are you achieving your goal? And let's say your goal is to show your ads. You know, you're, you're in phase one of the Google ads management process and you're just trying to get your ads out there. So your real, your real goal is just to get impressions and get clicks. So then really click-through rate, CTR, is really what you should be looking at. You know, not, not click share. You might have a very low click share, but you're getting clicks. So great. You know, that you're hitting phase one goal, which is just get traffic, get clicks, try to manage that, you know, spend the budget. You know, that's so that's happening. Let's say you're moving into phase three, phase four, scaling, you know, optimization, heavy optimization. Um, now, how would ClickShare help you there? Well, that helps you even less because now you need to know um, position numbers. Now you need to know search impression share. You need to know the balance between your search impression share rank, search impression share budget. How can you make those determinations when all of those numbers are blended into this mess of a click share number that doesn't really tell you or itemize what those are? So let's get to the point. What should you do? You say, you know, Chris, okay, I believe you. I shouldn't use click share. It seems like a very generic, very watered down kind of metric that's using multiple facets to give me one number. But in reality, I need to go down to the basics. I need to go down to the numbers that actually generate the click share and 
that is what matters. So if you really want to know how to improve your campaign, look at your search impression share, monitor your search impression share numbers, monitor, monitor your search impression share loss due to rank, monitor your search impression share loss due to budget. Okay. Look at that number. Monitor that number. That is that's going to tell you the real details of actually how much coverage you have and how much you're losing due to bids and how much you're losing due to budget, not some blended watered down click share number. Okay. If you want to know how responsive people are to your ad copy, don't look at click share, look at click through rate. Your ads are showing how responsive are people to the message in your ad copy. That is click-through rate. So look at that. Do you have a 20% or do you have a 1%? You can judge quite a bit based on, you know, what, what your expected click-through rate might be. You know, if you're super high funnel, very wide targeting, very bland kind of reaching far into the sky as far as the, the funnel you're going after, a 1% might be okay. But if you're very low funnel, very targeted, very specific, um, very specific messaging, then a 1% would be horrible, right? Click share does not tell me what I need to know. I might have a very high click-through rate, but a very low search impression share. Click share will not separate that for me. I cannot see that, and I need to. I need to know why my click share is only 2% or 5%. Why is it 45%? Is it because I have a very high click-through rate or a very high search impression share with a very low click-through rate? I mean, that's the kind of information I want to know. That's the kind of determinations that I need to make. So there's your metric of the week. Metric of the week is... As my, as my girls say, my kids, th double thumbs down, Dad. I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like it either. Ignore it. Don't use it. And if you disagree, I'll tell you what. PaidSearchPodcast.com. Go there. Write me an angry email about why you disagree. Convince me. I'll read your comments on air. Convince me why I'm wrong. Come at me, bro. All right. So enough of that. I'm 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 having fun here. Um, it's it's hot here in Texas right now. It is uh, as I'm recording this, it's blaring sun outside. Uh, 92 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, 92 degrees Fahrenheit. You can convert that. I'm not going to convert it for you. Fahrenheit. That's hot. Like burn your skin. It's uncomfortable with high humidity. So it's, you know, I'm a little, little angry, a little pumped today. Um, but also, because I got a guest here, I have a guest today and it's not just me today. I'm not alone. I have someone here. It's kind of fun to have people with me on the show. Um, and I'm going to introduce him in, in just a moment. But before I do, you can send questions. As I said, paidsearchpodcast.com. Go there, send me a question, just like Sarah from Austin did. 
She had a question. She sent this to me. She said, hi, Chris. Can you speak about product feed management? Do you use product feed software? And what fields are you most interested in setting up for feed optimization? Okay, so do I use product feed software? What fields are you interested in setting up? And also, she says, I'm also a bit confused about what a GTIN is. All right, Sarah. Let me introduce you to Joey Bidner, who is a Google Ads free freelancer with an expertise in shopping. Joey, welcome to the podcast. The very first guest on the new version of the podcast. Welcome. So glad to have you here. Yeah, thank you. I've been a longtime listener, and uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, and 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 guys, I know I've gotten emails from people wanting to be. Um, you know, guests on the podcast. I get them all the time. Let me say, Joey has been around a very, you have to be, you have to wake up very early in the morning to beat Joey. He's been around the podcast since the beginning and I trust Joey and he has, as I said, an expertise in shopping. That's why he's here. So don't be jealous. Um, I may have more guests, but Joey was really my first option, first choice by far. Um, Joey, you've heard the question. What are your thoughts on Sarah's question? Yeah, so first when it comes to um, Merchant Center and Product Feed, I want to take one step back and just explain why we need it, why it exists. So when it comes to Google Shopping, um, we don't have keywords, right? We don't have the ability to say, okay, Google, here is um, a signal into um, the search. I, I want you to match the relevant searches to my products via this keyword. We don't have that ability. Google relies on this product feed to understand what our products are and make that connection to get quality searches. So the product feed is essentially a big spreadsheet with all of our products and a number of columns that give information for each product to Google. And it uses this as its resource to find the searches. And this spreadsheet is housed in Merchant Center. So Sarah was asking what fields um, do we pay attention to? So what she's asking really is, you know, what columns are we um, really matter in this spreadsheet uh, to fill the relevant information? Because there are a lot of columns and it can be overwhelming at first. So um, the first call, I'm going to narrow it down to about five columns that I see as must-haves, right? Whenever I do an audit, these are the first things I'm going to to make sure they're filled out properly, okay? The first is obvious title, right? Google is going to look at the product title and your description to think of it as like, it's kind of like pulling keywords, right? It's looking at this to see, okay, what is the product? Does it match the search that's coming in? And what you want to have is a robust title. It needs to have the brand, the model, the color, the size, and you can even fill it in with any extra little modifiers that pertain to the searcher's query, right? And this is often an area that gets overlooked. People will just import their um, website information and the title on the product just says the model name, right? And then that is empty. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, 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 and what you're saying is whenever someone creates that data feed on their website, they're optimizing that data feed to say what they needed to say on their website, it may not necessarily be optimized for how Google needs to interpret that 
product, you know, whatever it is they're selling on their on their site. That's two very different purposes, and that's why it can be so critically important to make sure you optimize for that, right? Because you're you're having this dumb algorithm interpret a human phrasing and try and match that to obscure search terms, thousands upon thousands of different search terms that could match to it, and it's going to pick the best ones. So it's your job to make sure that it interprets it the right way. Yeah, exactly. Not everybody on their website wants the same title that they would have in their product feed, right? Yeah. So that's where there's a bit of a disconnection, and that's where feed management comes into play. We're going to get into it a little bit later on how to um, populate the feed in a way that matters for Google versus the information on your website. So we're going to get into that a little bit later, but you're absolutely right. Like That is a big difference, right? Um so we've got title, we've got description. Description, like you have a limit of like 2,000 characters, right? Like I like to say, and this is usually the area that is very easy for people to fill out because the, the descriptions on products on websites are usually quite robust. So importing that is an easy one, but you really want to use that, that area. So the next one is, this is the area that often confuses people quite a bit, which is something called Google product category, right? So one of the fields in the product feed, it's Google product category. And that is basically Google's, Google has created a list of about 3000 product categories. They're predetermined categories that we need to say to Google, my product fits in that category that Google has determined. This is the big difference. You can, you can see this list. If you go to Google and you type in Google product taxonomy, you will oh. see this list and it's, oh. a, it's 3000 different. If you sell a product, let's wow. say you sell, I know you love to use the the reference for cat sweaters. <laughs> I bet there is a Google product category for cat sweaters. But yeah. the, the real important thing is here is the Google product category needs to match exactly how Google writes it in this taxonomy. And it's not just cat sweaters. It will be like home and garden, home accessories, cat sweaters, right? It's got like a, a real syntax to it that we need to match um, we don't just put in whatever category we think it is. It's got to be taken. We're putting our products in Google's bucket, right? There's there's no custom categories. No. For Google product category, it is Google's buckets, and we're saying my product fits in that bucket that you have identified. And, and you pick one. You pick one right? per product. Okay. Yeah, per product or group of products or whatever, right? Okay. So, and, so that is by far one of the most important, okay? And this segues us to our next one, our next field called product type, where people usually mix them up. So there's Google product category, which is used for Google to say what our product is. Then you have another category called product type. And this, again, people often mix these two up. Product type is used simply for our organization as Google Ads managers, right? It's saying my product is, um, I'm going to use an example, uh, a snowboard um, reseller. My product is a snowboard or it is a snowboard binding, or it is a jacket. I use product type to segment my products in my account structure. Google is not reading product type as an indicator of what it is to match to a search. It is simply there for me to subdivide my products. And you can write whatever you want. You can write cat sweaters, kitty cat sweaters, whatever, right? So this is this is the one part that is custom. So yes. type is a custom thing, okay. It's custom, it. but it's only used for our organization, right? Um, so we can subdivide our products in Google Ads. And okay, so the last uh, column that I see as a 
key important one, probably the most important one, and the one that gives people the most headaches, the most product disapprovals. And this is the one that uh, Sarah was specifically asking about, GTIN. So yes. GTIN is, uh, it stands for Global Trade Item Number. And this is the barcode or SKU that the manufacturer has assigned to that product. Okay. Now this barcode is universal across the country for all the stores that have received that product. So that one red Nike um, Air Jordan size 9 has a unique GTIN. The size 10 has a different GTIN. The, the, the blue has a different GTIN. And oh, every wow. store across the country has the exact same GTINs for the same product. So just like how Google product category was telling Google what category your product fits in, GTIN tells Google exactly what product you have. And this is important because Google is going to crowdsource the information it knows about that product. So it's got all the information on those blue, those blue Air Jordans, right? It's wow. going to use the, when you provide the GTIN and every other store has provided the GTIN, Google knows what search terms work for that product. And you're tapping into that. You're plugging into it. Game changer. Wow, that, that that is <laughs> that's absolute new. I had no idea. Yeah. And then so it's so it's so, so it's like a it's 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 using like a crowd sourced data. So is, is it using other people's titles and other people's information that they've put in their uh, Google Shopping feed? If they have the GTIN in there, I I believe so. It's basically just like the it's. it's Think of it as stored data to that unique product. Wow. Right? Okay. So, um, and, and and also this is how, for example, you get price comparisons. If somebody's looking at a product oh, from one store, right. the way it brings up your product, let's say you've got a sale and says, hey, this store has that product cheaper. That's how they know you have it. Oh, right? Wow. But GTIN, as sweet as it sounds, causes, I would say when I do account audits, 90% of Product disapprovals yeah. come from GTIN because yeah. Google has a, a rule where you do not have to put GTIN. You don't have to provide it, right? If you don't provide it, you'll you'll get this notification that says your impressions are limited, right? Doesn't really matter. But if you provide a number in that GTIN column that is not the correct GTIN, so any other number, they will disapprove the product. Yeah, and this is huge because when it comes to how we populate the product, the information in the feed, by not plugging the right information into the right column, we get issues like this, product disapprovals. Mm. And that wow. kind of segues us to our next point, which is how do we optimize the feed? Because all the optimizations, all the population of this information happens before the information hits Merchant Center, right? Mm. The connection yeah. point between the website and Merchant Center is where we do all the work to make sure the right information is going to the right column. Um, and yeah, there's a few programs that I really like to use. Um, I really like to use my favorite. And, and by the way, um, whenever I manage uh, an account personally, it's like a, for me, it is like a mandatory thing. We have to use a third party software because wow. we need, yeah, I, I will not manage an account that does not use a third party software. Because we, and, uh, sorry, sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. I, I'm, 
so this so that that's just a, a shock because you know I I don't I don't think I use software a lot. Uh, I don't think I've I've ever used it to that capacity. I mean, I've used software, but never a a third party feed management software like that where I say I won't manage without it. Um, is this software that you're using so critical because um, it's it does something that cannot be done manually? It, or or is it something that can be done manually? It's just you don't know how to do the code and stuff like that in order to do it. So yeah, great question. So it can be done manually, but the manual version is a lot more difficult and a lot more yeah. manual and less automated. These third-party softwares have automated solutions. So what you do is you you set it up once, and then as you add more products in, it automates the population. I'll give you some examples. So there's a few different ways to upload the feed. The most manual way is using um, a, a Google Sheet connection, right? Where you have a Google Sheet that has all your products and you manually put in all the fields. This can, as you can imagine, be arduous if you have thousands of products, but also if you need to update your inventory. When you sell a product, it comes out of your store. You got to go in. Well, I'm sure there's some also a ways to connect your feed, sorry, your Google Sheet to your website, yeah. but then you need a software sure. for that. And anyways, that's yeah. very manual. The other option uh, is if you have a Shopify store, this is what most people do that r results in, the, in these problems, is they press this one button that says, sync my Shopify store to Merchant Center. And that's yeah. where a lot of these problems occur because what's going to happen is it's going to take your, your title, right, and just plop it into the title, like that issue that we talked about before, right? If your title on your website is just the model, and then that goes to the model of the product and that goes to the product feed, that doesn't do much for you. For GTIN, right. for example, the issue that I always see is a lot of retailers don't use the barcodes that they uh, get sent from the manufacturer. They generate their own. And then they put their own barcode in that barcode field, which is what that which is what will get auto-populated to the barcode column. And then that will be not the right barcode. And that will yeah. disprove your product. Now, in yeah. comes the solution, the third-party software. When you use a third-party software like Data Feed Watch, when talking about the title, for example, what we can do is we can say, okay, I want you to use, and by you, I'm talking to the software. I want the software to pull the brand that's listed in the vendor information on the product. I want you to pull the brand. I want you to pull the the title. I want you to pull the size, all these information pieces of information that are on different parts of every product page, and I want you to stitch them together and make a title to my yeah. control. And I want you to add in this modifier uh, that I want, right? So um, very easy solution that you set up once, and then it is – you set up once, and then you never have to think about it again. Yeah. Um, it, it, you're, by using that – I mean, you think, well, that's not too big of a deal, but you know, maybe that's for those that have a couple products. You're selling one or two products. You could do this manually here. Yes. There's disadvantages, but you could do it manually. But v v of all the shopping accounts that I work with, very few are just dealing with a couple products. Most of the time, it's you know thousands, if not tens of thousands of products. So this is a, not only is this something that can allow you to make changes quickly across you know your number of uh, items. So for example, seasonal. You wanted to change things seasonally. You can. You can. Sounds like you can do this seasonally. Add some kind of. If you're doing a discount, you can add some kind of discount across everything. That kind of stuff. You know, a little title tag up at the top or at the end or something like that. Um, but it sounds like 
you can, and and this is this is what's crazy. And tell me if I'm I'm, I'm wrong here, but it sounds like you could change the way that you are constructing these and test something. I wonder if I've, if I put brand first and then material next, uh, I wonder how that would perform because there's only so many characters that will show on a Google shopping ad, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It gets cut off pretty quick and, and you can have 2000 characters, but you're never going to get 2000 characters to show on that shopping ad. So it sounds like because you have the control, the capacity to be able to change thousands of things so quickly, you could swap it around and say, I wonder, you know, the real advantage of this product is that it's made out of leather and not made out of something cheap, you know? So you could put leather, you know, real 100% leather as the first thing on all of it, then the rest after it, you know? That, it, I mean, is that the kind of, like, power that a tool like this can do that, that would not be possible otherwise. Oh yeah, and you can even say okay, only for my products that have the tag leather in it. Oh, I want you to yeah. put leather in the description, right? Like oh, wow. you can yeah. slice and dice your products yeah. any way you want and create all these automations. Um, even going to, for example, Google product category, right? It would be a royal pain to assign the Google product category for each product. You just say, for I'll use an example of selling snowboards again, right? All the products that I have that have the tag snowboard or are in the collection snowboard assign the snowboard Google product category. All the products yeah. that are tagged bindings put the bindings Google product category. You set it up yeah. once and then as you upload new products to your store seasonally, um, it automatically does that for you. Um, yeah. And then I just want to close the circle with that other problem that we had with GTIN, right? The client puts in the, their own barcode in the GTIN field. With these softwares, you can say, don't send that information over here. Like, don't send that that barcode information to the GTIN column, right? That way, oh. it will be left mm. blank, and then the products will be approved. Or, um, if they if they put the GTIN information in just a different call, a different field on their product page, pull the GTIN information from this SKU field instead of the barcode field. You have mm. that control, and that is worth its weight in gold. So, I'll recommend. A couple different, um, a, f a few different uh, feed softwares because there is some, um, th there is some reasoning to choose one or the other. Data Feed Watch is by far the most robust, but I'll warn you, is difficult to navigate. You, it's one of those programs that was has every option under the sun to do, but it was kind of designed by programmers not ui specialists so it's very it's not intuitive every time i need to set something up i almost need to, and still i've been using it for years and i still sometimes need to bring on a a tech support sometimes because it, it does have some nuance if you have a slightly more simple um uh situation where you don't have all these complexities of don't populate this here pull make these custom solutions if you have a bit more of a simple setup you don't need as much robust solution. Uh, feed for Google Shopping from Symprosis. Uh, it's only for Shopify, but that is definitely the second best option. It's a fraction of the price, um, and it's a bit more just click a few buttons and go. It's a lot less heavy to pick up. Okay. And then yeah. one more I'll recommend is Go Data Feed. This one is good for WooCommerce as well as, I believe, Squarespace. Um, and that one is kind of caught in the middle. It is custom like data feed watch, 
but a little simpler to understand. Um, okay. And yeah. right in the middle of the price points. So those would be wow. the three I recommend. That's that's great. I, Joey, I mean, I'm I'm looking at you know stuff that we're we're supposed to talk about, and like you 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 answered so much and hit so many things. I'm like, well, crap. What are we going to talk about now? But I mean, I <laughs> but I have but I have a, I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of things that I want to bring up that that I. I want to talk about, and we're going to do that in just a second, but I want to remind you guys about optio.com slash PSP. That is a special URL you can go to to utilize uh, the Google Ads time-saving software of the year. It is what you need to use. So many of the listeners, if if you're not using it, you're in the minority. This is uh, a wonderful software that you can click and get more done in Google Ads faster. You can... Take advantage of a two-month free trial at opteo.com slash PSP. Now, Joey, I, I have you captive here. So, I, I you know, I hear, I hear Joe, you know, I talk about, people talk about Joe Rogan and stuff. They say, like, you know, like, how do you, you know, how do you do the podcast, how you, all that kind of stuff? And I feel like Joe Rogan's answer to that makes so much sense because he's like, no, these, it's not a job because these are people I want to talk to. Like I have questions and I have a person trapped and they have to answer my questions, you know, like that's what, that's what I have you here for. <laughs> so I, I, I wanted to run a few things before we get into a couple of things, uh, that, uh, I, I think are really interesting, uh, in, in experiences that I've had in Google ads. Um, and I want to know if you've had anything like this. Um, have you taken, I'm sure you have. There's no way you haven't done this, but have you taken a feed, like worked with it or seen the results of a feed? Maybe someone's been running a feed just raw straight from uh, Spotify, uh, Spotify, Shopify, mm-hmm. um, and you run one of these softwares or you do the magic that you that you know to do. What What is the direct effect? Now, of course, I, I assume that ROAS goes up, you know, but does it also bring a lift in the quality of the search terms because that's what really upsets me about shopping is that I don't have finite control of my search terms a a a robot interprets my data feed and matches me to an endless stream of search terms so my question is I mean the number one thing does it bring up return on ad spend typically uh, and number two, does it lift the integrity of the search terms? Do you seem like you can have better control? Can you say, well, I want more of this, so I'm going to shift this into the title rather than this? You know, it, Do you have that kind of control? Yeah, so I can say that 100%. I have many situations where I take on a client. They previously had the direct Shopify plugin. We unplugged it, plugged in an optimized feed using all these methods with something like Data Feed Watch. And the first result is... 100% way better search terms. The search wow. terms are way more on point, far down the funnel search terms. Because the, the biggest thing I think turns people away from shopping often is when before they won't, you know, do this feed optimization stuff. And then they look at their search terms and they're like, it's so high funnel, you know, those terrible one word search terms. Yeah. No. Yeah. When you optimize the feed with all these things in place, you would be shocked at how strong the search term data is. And then ROAS becomes the result of doing all this. Your ROAS goes up right. because you're targeting more, follows. more further down the funnel. Then once you switch to, you know, once you get some momentum, you switch to ROAS bidding, the algorithm 
sees, oh, the success points are coming from these low funnel search terms. I'm going to target more of those. And then you get these beautiful search terms reports that are just filled with low funnel. And I've done this with extremely niche competitive markets of like really tough stuff to, to rank on um, if we were doing it manually. And, and it's oh, it, it, it really works like that is the, the, the bread and butter of a shopping campaign. I can't say enough is the quality of the data in the feed. Like that's the first and, step. And okay. Another thing. A lot of shopping campaigns that I run deal with chronic search impression share issues, right? I mean, I, I can, I have always said that shopping is like a bottomless pit. You can never find the end of the search impression share. You can never hit 90% capacity, you know, because there's just so much. And, and of course, this is just with raw data pulled, ported in from, you know, Shopify or something like that. Do you know if you start to see a, lift in the search impression share so that you're actually starting to show more often on the things that count. I mean, cause let's, let's say uh, a, an account's running and it's been consistently at 10% search impression share and you don't change the bids. You don't change the budget. All you do is change the feed mm -hmm. and add longer, more optimized feed uh, using the tools and things that you've talked about. Do you see a lift? And if so, how much? So I can't say that I have an experience to share where I saw that happen. But okay. I, I can imagine that if, for example, your feed has a product where the, let's say it, um, it's one of those automated feeds, right, where the system automatically picked your Google product category and just put it in a broad category, home and garden, okay? Right, um, right. And if you don't have GTINs and if you're... Um, title was something very generic, like, because I used the example home and garden, let's say you're, you're selling um, shovels for gardening, garden shovels. Yeah. And if it just yeah. says shovel, and then you just put in home and garden, not whittle down to garden shovel, the search, you're, yeah, like it makes sense that your search impression share would be 10, less than 10% because it's an right. ocean of what you can appear for. But if you have a narrow, um, if you have a narrow target being you know, calculated titles, accurate uh, Google product category, and GTINs, then you're showing up for it saying, okay, of the products you're searching that you're you're sending to us that you want us to match you to, now we can narrow in on what your search impression share actually is because we know what products you're trying to appear for as opposed to just showing up for searches, right? So, yeah. 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 But I can't say I haven't I don't have an example where I can say, oh, yeah, I saw a 50 percent lift in search impression share when I did this. But I can imagine that would be the case. OK, so so my theory that shopping is probably still a bottomless pit is probably still true. Then it's just uh, now your search impression share that you're scooping into is is still, you know, is better than it was before. At least it's better quality. There's still plenty of volume, which is the great thing about shopping. Mm -hmm. It's just it's just better quality. You're scooping out of a better qualified bucket rather yeah. than just the general slop of, of everything that you get. Yeah, it's all about narrowing that radius, right? Yeah. And as you give Google more information that through the product feed, the radius will narrow, that's for sure. And wow. if, you know, if anybody is, is curious about, you know, if you don't know what, fields you do have populated in your account if you go to the you'll, you'll see there's 
there's a button for products. Right on the main um, light gray bar, there's a button. You can select products, and you'll see all your products there. If you click one product um, and then scroll down, um, you'll see a product attribute window. And then there's even a, a drop down from there, see more attributes. And this is where you can see what products you've submitted in the Merchant Center um, criteria. So it'll show what you have for title, price, description, brand, condition, Google product category, product type, GTIN, all this stuff. And you can see, oh, do I have anything for the GTIN? Is this even the real GTIN? Like, wow. oh, Google product category is blank? Problem, you know? So, um, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. very easy to see. That's, yeah, that's incredible. I, 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 I imagine that this can help a lot of people because they they feel I, I think that the way that a lot of people consider shopping is plug and play, you know, just turn it on because it is quite simple. You set up a Shopify, you get your stuff in there and then you set up a Google ads, you get your feed in there and whether you do performance max or you do a standard shopping campaign or whatever the the setup to go from nothing to actually running is so much faster. People might think that it's as simple as that, and uh, you know they don't consider the search terms. They don't consider the the data in the feed. I imagine this is going to be uh, incredibly helpful. So Joey, I appreciate it. You it, is there anything else that we should know um, that uh, I didn't ask? You know that might be important for people that are learning about optimizing and feed and stuff like that. Is there anything else? I mean, oh yeah. So we're going to add an extra two hours to this podcast episode oh, okay. <laughs> and I'm going to start going through all that stuff. Um, no, I, yeah, it, it definitely is a, a deep rabbit hole of, of nuance when it comes to shopping. And, and, but you are right. It does seem on the surface, like it's like kind of plug and play. Shopify makes it easy to just click a button. Oh, my yeah. merchant center is populated. Done. Right. Done, yeah. But it's it's not the case. There's a lot of nuance there. I would just recommend people really dive into Merchant Center, you know, investigate um, errors that you see popping up. Um, there's there's a lot to do in there. And I would say when it comes to optimization, it really starts with Merchant Center and then bidding okay. strategies and negative keywords that comes after focus on your feed get it uh, as robust as possible, and then start there. Awesome. Joey, I can't thank you enough for joining me here and making this podcast lift a little higher with your knowledge about shopping. I appreciate it. You have the mic. How can people get in touch with you if they uh, want to reach out and get further help from Joey? Yeah, so um, anybody can can reach out to me through my website, joeybidner.com. Um, I offer... I offer um, uh, account management as well as uh, consultation or account audits. Um, so yeah, feel free to visit my website and book a meeting with me. And uh, yeah, it was a pleasure to be here. Yeah, awesome. Well, well, thanks, Joey. And you guys know me. I'm going to have Joey's link in the description. If you want to click that, you can uh, go reach out to him, especially if you're uh, in the shopping uh, business. But Joey, you don't, I know you don't just do shopping. You do uh, search and all things Google Ads. So I appreciate you being on the show. And uh if you're not subscribed, be sure to subscribe. You don't know who's going to be on the podcast now. It's an open field. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to see Joey again. He's a great guy. I appreciate it. I'll catch you next week.